0: You're listening to the spoken edition of Meditations on Investing, Death in the Time of Bitcoin, an essay by Angelo Calvello that first appeared in Institutional Investor on March 1st, 2019. A cryptocurrency exchange founder dies, leaving 115,000 customers without access to their digital coins. But is their bad luck someone else's fortune? By now, you've read about the co-founder of Quadriga CX, Canada's largest cryptocurrency exchange, who died in India and took with him the keys to unlock 190 million Canadian dollars worth of his customers' Bitcoin, Ether, and other digital currencies. But, dear reader, do not think this is another reductive Nuriel Rabini type crypto grave dance. No, this tale of boy meets girl, boy marries girl. Boy stores all client crypto data on cold wallets with no backup. Boy dies. More than 115,000 people get screwed out of their precious crypto. Could have a happy ending for a progressive asset allocator. But first, the Quadriga CX story. It appears Quadriga CX co founder and CEO Gerald Cotton died in India on December 9th from complications from Crohn's disease. I say appears. Because conspiracy theories are flying around the web and Reddit, spurred on by the fact that Cotton's signing a new will less than two weeks before his death. According to Bloomberg, quote, Cotton was always conscious about security. The laptop, email addresses, and messaging system he used to run the five-year-old business were encrypted, according to an affidavit from his widow. He took sole responsibility... For the handling of funds and coins and the banking and accounting side of the business and to avoid being hacked, moved the majority of digital coins into cold storage. Cold storage, also known as cold wallets, is a security technique that generates and stores cryptos, private keys in an online environment like on paper or on a USB drive. Cotton's security measures were admirable given that digital currency exchanges suffered at least five major cyber attacks last year. Cotton's wife and now executor of his estate, Jennifer Robinson, reported and the Quadriga CX website confirms that she had been unable to find passwords or any business records for Quadriga accounts. Experts hired to hack into Cotton's other computers and mobile phones had only limited success, she said in a court filing. Without the digital keys, clients cannot access their personal digital wallets, effectively stranding their cryptocurrencies. At the time of this writing, Quadriga CX had been granted an order for creditor protection in Nova Scotia Supreme Court. In a Twitter post, the CEO of another cryptocurrency exchange described Quadriga CX's situation as, quote, bizarre and frankly, unbelievable. But I find the story neither bizarre nor unbelievable. Signs of trouble had been evident for years. For example, when Quadriga CX became Canada's largest digital exchange in 2015, it stopped publishing financial audits. Around the same time, three of its directors and its chief financial officer resigned. Also in 2015, Quadriga CX announced a planned reverse initial public offering, but that was later scuttled because the corporation failed to provide the required financial audit. In, tw- in June 2017, Quadriga CX announced that it had lost $14 million worth of Ethereum due to a software glitch. But these are only a sideshow to a much darker affair. At the time of his death, Cotton was the sole officer and director of Quadriga CX. His co-founder, Michael Patron had apparently left the company sometime in early 2016, but his resignation was never officially announced. Maybe it was not announced because, according to news reports, Michael Patron is an alias for Omar Dahani, the same Omar Dahani convicted in U.S. federal court in November 2005 for administering and operating the Shadow Crew website, one of the largest online centers for trafficking and stolen credit and bank card numbers and identity information. It is also the same Omar Dahani who in 2013 was charged by Montreal authorities as the alleged ringleader of an online criminal organization which laundered millions of dollars over a five-year period. However, out of this apparent tragedy and administrative dumpster fire arises a unique opportunity for a forward-thinking asset allocator. The chance to add an amalgam of cryptocurrencies to the portfolio at what should be a steep discount to face value. An asset allocator that is at least marginally bullish that crypto prices will increase and or that technology will improve to the point where it will be able to crack the encryption of the cold wallets could find this opportunity quite attractive. The best scenario for such a deep value play, of course, is that the assets are unlocked and the cryptos increase in value, providing a windfall that is then managed like any other liquid asset. A less bullish scenario would be that the assets remain stranded, but the cryptos appreciate, increasing the portfolio's mark-to-market value and perhaps generating an offer in the secondary market to buy the entire locked portfolio. And then there's the reverse situation where the wallets are unlocked, but the digital currencies remain underwater, presenting the owner with the traditional sell or hold decision. Of course, the assets could remain forever stranded and cryptos can go to zero, resulting in the loss of the entire investment, unless it were hedged with listed or OTC crypto derivatives. But now, on to your objections. First, the security used to encrypt the client's call wallets is impenetrable. This investment is likely measured in decades, not days, which is why the natural buyer is an asset allocator, not a hedge fund or, pri- or a private equity manager. It seems highly likely that someone, sometime in the next 25 years, technology and compute power will evolve to the point where, it will, where they will be able to overpower today's best defenses. And anticipating another objection, the successful hack of an individual wallet is not the same as the hack of a cryptocurrency. Objection number two. An asset allocator lacks the technical ability to hack the wallets. Correct. But there is a solution. Mimic Netflix and offer a prize, perhaps a percentage of the value of the wallets to white hat hackers who can break into the cold wallets. Objection three. What if cotton is alive, has stolen client funds and is on the lamb? In South America. Fraud remains a real possibility. As this article was published, Quadriga CX's monitor, Ernst Young, identified deliberate, deliberate, questionable activity in six cold wallets. Yet another crypto research and consulting business claimed to have found over $100 million of Quadriga CX's Ethereum. Buyer beware. Other Objections. How can I know with certainty the current composition and value of the currencies in the wallet? What if a new type of digital asset replaces Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, etc.? To that I say, yada yada. Investors raising these and dozens of other objections will not be the buyers of these cold wallets. That investor will see the opportunity for what it is, a purchase of distressed assets, namely the cold wallets, and will identify and measure the associated risks, structure the deal to mitigate the risks, for example, adding a clawback covenant to protect from fraud, and price an offer that reflects these risks, which I assume will be a fraction of the portfolio's face value. So to that adventuresome asset allocator that has grown weary of almond farms and small market Indian credit deals, Know that the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation reports that Quadriga CX's lawyers are standing by to take your call.